0: Before we start today's video, if this is the kind of wrestling content that you're into, I'd appreciate a thumbs up and a subscribe if you haven't already. It's much appreciated. In May 1997, the animosity between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels finally came to a head. The men had a great on-screen rivalry, but their real-life hatred of each other had been growing for years, and on one episode of Raw, Shawn Michaels made things personal. During an in-ring segment, Michaels uttered a line that became infamous. Listen here, even Shawn though, Michaels. Even though lately you've had some sunny days, my friend. He implied that Bret Hart had been unfaithful to his wife, suggesting that he'd been having sunny days, which was a clear reference to the diva Sonny who was starting to become known for her promiscuity backstage. This remark was not only a low blow, but it also crossed a line. The unwritten rule in wrestling is to keep family and personal lives out of storylines unless permission is given. According to Hart himself in his autobiography, he didn't initially hear what Michaels had said due to the noise of the crowd, It was only afterwards as he headed backstage that someone told him. Feeling that Michaels had taken things too far, he confronted him. What began as a verbal spat between the two superstars quickly degenerated into an all-out brawl. Hart grabbed Michaels by his hair and managed to wrestle him to the ground, but not before Hart managed to tear a chunk out of Michaels' scalp. It would take decades... For the hatred between these two men to eventually dissipate. For years, Scott Steiner has been known for running his mouth and getting away with it, and if you looked like Scott Steiner, you'd get away with it too. Not only was Steiner monstrously huge, but he was also legitimately tough, making him a scary presence to be around. In the year 2000, It was DDP who was on the receiving end of Steiner's fury, or more specifically, his wife Kimberly. The trouble started because Kimberly snitched on Tammy Sitch for bringing drugs into the locker room. Story goes that Steiner literally chased Kimberly out of the arena. On a live episode of Nitro, Steiner then cut a promo in the middle of the ring, daring Paige to come and fight him. DDP and Steiner already didn't like each other, but this calling out made the situation finally boil over. When Steiner came backstage from his rant on TV, Page was waiting for him, ready to go. They started swearing at each other, and then Page hit Steiner first. Steiner fought back, throwing Page with a suplex. He then got on top of Page and tried to poke his eyes out. The fight ended up with both guys being pretty beaten up. Obviously, nobody got into trouble for the fight because by this time, the inmates were running the asylum in WCW. Kevin Wacholtz entered the WWF in 1992 as Nails. The character of Nails was an ex-convict complete with orange jumpsuit. But rather than being happy to no longer being incarcerated, he was pissed off. At some point during his prison sentence, he'd apparently come into contact with the Big Boss Man, whose character was that of a correctional officer, and the Big Boss Man had apparently mistreated him. And so, a storyline was laid out that would last for most of 1992, which saw Nails stalking the Boss Man, leading to a match between the men at the Survivor Series in November. But before they got there, a match was booked for SummerSlam between Nails and the big boss man's best friend, Virgil. Nails squashed Virgil in the space of four minutes at the pay-per-view and the storyline seemed to be carrying on like clockwork. At the Survivor Series, the boss man beat Nails, supposedly bringing the storyline to an end. But in reality, trouble was brewing backstage. Back in the early 90s, the WWF would pay wrestlers several months after each show. Now the wages for SummerSlam were hitting the wrestlers' bank accounts and Kevin Wacholtz was not happy. According to Wacholtz, he'd been seriously underpaid for his match against Virgil and so he burst into Vince McMahon's office and, in the heat of the argument, pushed him to the floor and began choking him out. Bret Hart and Bruce Pritchard have both confirmed that this happened. Wackholts was apparently like a rabid dog around McMahon's throat. Eventually, other wrestlers and personnel piled into the office and separated the men, and then Wackoltz was fired. But the big man was not done with Vinnie Mack. Wackholts later claimed that McMahon sexually assaulted him. That charge was later dismissed as being nonsense. Wackholz even made the claim that McMahon had conspired to kill him. The drama peaked during the notorious steroid trial against McMahon. Wackholz saw the steroid trial as an opportunity to strike back when he testified against McMahon in court. However, in the end, McMahon was acquitted, largely thanks to the outlandish claims being made by Wackholz himself. Brian Knobbs and Jerry Sags, a.k.a. The Nasty Boys, had a reputation for being assholes. The boys got on the other wrestlers' nerves by talking crap, being stiff in the ring, and by playing pranks wherever possible. In October 1990, after a show, the men ended up at a local bar. During the same evening, Ken Shamrock arrived at the bar with a friend and the friend's girlfriend. They found themselves sat near the Nasty Boys and according to Shamrock, an intoxicated Knobs repeatedly bothered the girlfriend. After a couple of warnings, Shamrock confronted Knobs, threatening to beat the hell out of him if the harassment didn't stop. As the situation escalated, it caught the attention of the bar's security staff, resulting in the Nasty Boys being ejected from the premises. Shamrock, meanwhile, was absolutely furious at the incident and he went up to their hotel room. When he got there, he barged into the room and started wailing on Brian Knobs, who was already in bed. Nobbs ended up with a black eye and a swollen face after the attack. Sags quickly stepped in to help his tag team partner and together they overpowered Shamrock. Once they had Shamrock down, they continued to beat on him eventually knocking him unconscious. The noise from the room alerted Robert Fuller and the pit bulldogs who were also staying at the same hotel. They managed to break things up just as the Nasty Boys were about to throw Shamrock over the balcony. In 1989, the Ultimate Warrior was being positioned alongside Hulk Hogan as the WWF's lead babyface. Yet his attitude backstage was causing just a bit of friction amongst his peers. The other wrestlers backstage had issues with the Warrior's inflated ego and his rough style of wrestling during matches. Despite making repeated requests to tone it down, Warrior just carried on stiffing his opponents. After a couple of bruising encounters, Rick Rude decided he'd had enough. Rude himself was no joke. He was known for being legitimately tough and had no problem at all confronting the Warrior. Rude asked Warrior to step up his game, but Warrior wasn't having any of it. And so Rude hit Warrior with an open palm slap that was hard enough to knock him out cold. 2001 was an anxious time for many wrestlers. When WCW went under, a lot of those wrestlers had to do their best to impress WWF officials in order to keep their jobs. No wonder then that Shane Helms got seriously pissed off at Buff Bagwell during a tryout session. Bagwell made derogatory comments about Helms's height and physique, suggesting that he couldn't be a credible wrestler. Bagwell kept on talking trash until Helms shot back at him. Bagwell then struck Helms in the ear. Helms retaliated by throwing a frozen water bottle at him, making him bleed. Then he jumped on Bagwell, repeatedly punching him until the other wrestlers intervened. In the end, it would be Bagwell that would lose his job. Bagwell was known as a pain-in-the-ass backstage and he was already on thin ice after an earlier incident where he had his mom calling to WWF HQ to excuse him from a show because he was sick. In 1996, during a show for New Japan Pro Wrestling, Randy Savage and Road Warrior Hawk had a serious confrontation backstage. The details of what sparked this fight off remain vague, but the confrontation culminated with Hawke delivering a right hook that knocked Savage out cold. The animosity between the two men simmered in the background for years, and in 1999, it was reignited. Both men were attending a Kid Rock concert in Florida when they ran into each other. Hawke reached out to Savage to call a truce and shake his hand, but instead of that, Savage responded with a surprise punch. The altercation escalated when Savage's girlfriend at the time and another woman attacked Hawk's wife. The assault resulted in Hawk's wife getting significant injuries. Hawk did publicly state that they intended to take legal action, but that never happened. Several years ago, WWE superstars Yoshi Tatsu. Seamus and Ted DiBiase Jr. were sharing an apartment in Florida. The story goes that Seamus was walking around like he owned the place and was using the other guy's personal items. It was a protein shaker that Seamus had started using without permission that caused a fight to erupt. Tatsu and DiBiase both confronted Seamus about his reckless behaviour Sheamus reportedly felt cornered and reacted by hurling the protein mixer at Tatsu. Quick as a flash, Tatsu caught the shaker in midair. As a graduate of the New Japan Dojo, Tatsu was actually double tough and he was equipped with amateur boxing experience. The confrontation quickly turned physical and Sheamus attempted to engage Tatsu in a fight However, the encounter didn't go in Sheamus's favour. Tatsu, despite being physically far smaller, dominated the fight, allegedly leaving Sheamus close to tears. It was backstage at a WCW television taping in 1995 when Vader and Paul Orndorff got into a serious altercation. Orndorff was a road agent at the time and Vader was a main event heel in the company. The incident began when Vader, who had arrived late for a scheduled promo, got a dressing down from Orndorff. Already, the men didn't really like each other, so the animosity between them quickly ignited, with Vader squaring up to Orndorff. Orndorff already had a reputation for being legitimately tough and never backing down from a fight. He challenged Vader to take things further. In response, Vader struck Orndorff in the chest with an open-handed slap that knocked him off his feet. However, Orndorff quickly regained his footing and he managed to land a solid right to Vader's head. As Vader was down, Orndorff proceeded to deliver a series of kicks to his face, continuing the assault until fellow wrestlers intervened to break up the fight. In the years since, Vader claimed that he didn't fight back because he didn't want to jeopardise his position in WCW. It's ironic then that he would be the one to take the blame for the fight, and it wasn't long after the fight that Eric Bischoff decided to fire him from the company. Bruiser Brody was a towering figure in the wrestling world of the 1980s. He stood at 6 foot and 8 inches tall, and was known for his intense ring entrances The incident leading to Brody's death unfolded in Puerto Rico on July 16th, 1988. He was scheduled to wrestle for the World Wrestling Council, but before his match, he was asked by Jose Gonzalez, also known as Invader 1, to discuss something in the showers. Gonzalez hated Brody. Last time they'd wrestled, Brody had failed to sell for Gonzalez which he believed had made him look stupid. The layout of the locker room meant that no one actually saw what occurred between the men, but two loud screams indicated that something terrible had happened. Tony Atlas was the first to arrive at the scene. He found Brodie bleeding and wounded, and Gonzalez still was holding the knife. Despite the gravity of the situation, the subsequent trial was totally mishandled. Atlas and Dutch Mantel, who could have both offered their testimony to the court, only received their summons after the trial had finished. The flaws in the Puerto Rican legal system meant that Gonzalez literally got away with murder and he continued his wrestling career as if nothing had happened.